You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 17 of the Myth Behaving Podcast, and we're recording on September 8th. I am Carla Clifton, and I'm joined by my normal co-host and partner in crime, Mayor Wilson. Hey, Mayor. How are you today, Carla? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. It's, it's not sunny like it was. So we're, we're actually seeing, you know, I've been hearing all my friends back east are talking about, oh, it's autumn, and we're still here in like, you know, flirting with triple digits every now and then. So, uh, we don't have, have the, the fall stuff yet, but it's, it's, it's thinking about it. Yeah. I've been looking cause you know, we're headed on vacation there next to, well, not your location, but close to it and, uh, the little four corners area of the United States. And, uh, we've looked at the temperature in like Durango and it was like, 60 yesterday and i was like woohoo <laughs> oh yes i would i would actually like 60 i would like 60 you and me both being in texas where it's just hot or damn hot you know yeah those are our choices here too anyway hello listeners and now that you've got the local forecasts here in southern nevada and east texas each myth behaving show features a special guest from the literary world it could be a writer a publisher an agent editor or anyone else connected with the world of publishing plus we have several special segments related to reading or writing in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of a myth behavior, which is me. And today I'm recommending Thief of Hope by Cindy Young-Turner. This is such a cool fantasy about a, a young pickpocket named Sidney who gets caught and sentenced to death and gets rescued by a wizard. I'm not doing too many spoilers there because this all happens in the beginning. And during the course of her adventures, she discovers that magic actually exists and there are all sorts of other exciting things as she sets out on a whole bunch of new adventures. Uh, I love the writing in this book because it's crisp, it's fast-paced, there are a, a bunch of fabulous characters. So it's an awesome book. And that must mean that our special guest today is Cindy Young-Turner. Welcome to the show, Cindy, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Carla. Hi, Mira. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, this is actually my very first podcast, so it's really exciting to be talking to you. Well, we're thrilled to have you chat with us. Uh, you were one of the very first authors I interviewed on my website. So it's a double pleasure to have you on the podcast, but let's get right on into it and tell us what drew you to write fantasy. Um, I think I became interested in fantasy. Um, when I was a kid, I fell in love with King Arthur stories. Um, we had this big book of fairy tales and in the back were several stories about King Arthur and I read them. I loved the knights, the 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 wizard, the sword and the stone, um, the idea of Avalon. Um, it just I don't know. It really spoke to me, and so that 
introduced me to fantasy. Um, and I didn't actually start reading fantasy, though, I think until I was in college. Um, I was a voracious reader when I was a kid, but I read a lot of other stuff. And then when I got to college, um, some of my friends were very big into fantasy. They also played Dungeons and Dragons, so they kind of introduced me to that, and I've been reading fantasy ever since. Good choice, because, you know, that's one of my favorites, too, so... Of truth and misery. Of truth and misery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Cindy, feel free to answer this one. Once you're published, you get to travel around to lots of conventions and book signings, all paid for by the publisher. Oh, I have to laugh about that one, <laughs> because that is definitely a myth. Um, I think unless you're a really big-name author, um, no, that doesn't happen. Uh, if you want to go to a conference or a book signing, I think especially... Um, I'm published by Crescent Moon Press, which is a small independent publisher, and it's really up to the author to arrange all of those things. Um, you can find conferences to attend. You do have to pay your own way. Um, you can arrange for book signings for yourself, but again, it's really up to the author to do all the legwork and all the promotion. So I think um, when you publish a book, that's kind of the dream is that you'll get to fly around to all these conferences, you'll have book signings, there'll be lines out the door of people with your book in hand waiting for your signature, but in reality, I'm not sure that happens to the majority of authors. Indeed. Now, have you gotten to go to any conventions yet? Conferences? Um, I, I have, actually. Um, not this past year, but uh, 2012, I went to Balticon. Um, which is a big uh, science fiction fantasy convention in Baltimore, Maryland. I live in Maryland. And it was my very first convention. And um, I actually entered my book, Thief of Hope. They do a contest every year. Uh, it's called the Compton Crook Award. And it's for the best debut science fiction, fantasy, or horror novel. And my book was a finalist for the award, which was... I felt like it was a huge honor for me. Usually the winners are big-name publishers, are books published by big-name publishers. So just to be a finalist was quite an honor. And um, so I went, I was a panelist, and I got to participate on several panels, and I attended for a few days. It's a three-day conference, so I think I went, I was a participant for two of the days, and then on the third day I just kind of went and went to a few panels and workshops, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I was very nervous because it was my first time really being on a panel, speaking in front of a crowd of people, but uh, I think I picked some good panels to be on, and I had fun. It sounds like fun. It I, I I haven't done any big conferences. I've got a festival coming up in October, but... I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. 
But, uh, you know, I, I hear all my friends like, like you and other people talking about all your conferences, and I'm like, but I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I did, um, I did a book festival also. I, was, I went to the Baltimore Book Festival. Um, I was actually, I got to be part of the Science Fiction uh, Writers Association of America booth. And they had some, they needed some people to go to the booth and speak on a few panels. And I said, sure, I'll go. And it poured rain. It was an outdoor festival. So it was not, (laughs) yeah, not really a good experience. Um, But it was, I did a reading and it was my very first time reading in public after my book has been published. And I wasn't nervous because it had been pouring all day and there were just a few people in the audience and I figured, well, it doesn't matter because no one's really here to listen to me anyway, so I'll be fine. And then a band started playing as I was doing my reading, so. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, But there were a few people who sat and listened, so. It was, it was fine. And the next day it was a, it was a weekend long conference and the next day, beautiful weather, of course, but I wasn't participating that day. (laughs) Yeah, but that's, you know, Murphy's law always goes into effect, you know. (laughs) Cindy, how long have you been writing and why did you decide to become a writer? Um, I think I have been writing for almost as long as I can remember, um, when I was a kid, I started writing and I just remember being about 10 years old and I wrote my very first book and it was maybe a hundred pages, you know, all handwritten on carefully printed on notebook paper and based off my favorite Star Wars movies. Um, but that was my first uh, venture into writing a book and I just decided that's what I wanted to do. And I kept writing, um, you know, I've written a lot of books, short stories. Uh, I was an English major when I went to college. And I picked a college because they had a really good creative writing program. So I think it's just something I've I've always done. Um, I can't imagine not doing it. That's really exciting, especially knowing that you wrote something about Star Wars. I'm <laughs> such a geek. <laughs> I I love love Star Wars. Um, I'm probably dating myself, but I was five when Star Wars came out and it was a huge influence on my childhood. That is amazing. We're going to have to recruit you for our game. (laughs) And we're not going to tell you how old we were when it came out. No, (laughs) we won't go there. (laughs) That's kind of how I can judge people. I'm like, so how old were you when you first saw Star Wars? (laughs) Oh yeah. But Yeah, huge, huge fan. (laughs) Excellent. It's time for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. Well, it's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Cindy, do you have any tips writing fantasy that you can share with our listeners? Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest uh, challenges in writing fantasy is the world building. I mean, you're creating this new world a lot of times from scratch. So you really have to do a lot of 
kind of background research, maybe thinking about your world. Because for me, the best kinds of fantasy are the ones where it seems real. It seems very authentic. Um, and that's, I think, what draws readers in. And it can definitely be challenging because when you're writing fantasy, you can't just... I mean, you can't write about uh, a specific town like Baltimore because that doesn't exist in your world. So you have to, I think, provide a lot more description and backstory. And, of course, you don't want to bog the reader down with that kind of thing. So it's a challenge to weave that throughout your book and make it interesting and authentic. Um, I have to say... I also love Lord of the Rings, and one of my favorite parts of seeing the Lord of the Rings movies was you watched it, and it just felt so real. It felt like this could actually have happened. And I think, for me, that's the best kind of fantasy story. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And uh, we should say that you're writing epic fantasy, because those of us who are writing contemporary and urban fantasy might be working in the real world, so we kind of cheat and have that to, to fall back on that but true. but but epic fa- fantasy is so so um they have to be careful to to really create and that's one of the things i liked about the world that you created in thief pope because it it you do walk that line where we have a, a very clear vision of what this world yeah. is about but it doesn't bog down it keeps moving that story is just you know Click, clippity clip there. So it, it's, you really did walk that line very well indeed in that book. Well, thank you very much. You know, writing is a process of so many things. What do you love most about it, Cindy? Uh, what I like most is creating characters. Um, you know, meeting these people who come out of my head and making them real people, you know giving them strengths and weaknesses and sort of as I'm writing the story, I'm finding out more about these characters. And that's definitely, I think, my favorite part. Is there anything about the process that you don't like? <laughs> Sometimes the writing itself um, is is a challenge for me. I'm the kind of person who I can... I hate staring at that blank page. That's very intimidating. Sometimes getting started and getting the words down. And I think I can be my own worst critic. Um, You know, you write something and you go back and you read it. And I just feel like, well, that's not good enough. I, you know, it sounds so good in my head, but that's not what's coming out on the page. So sometimes I really have to work at that. Well, that makes sense. Authors work in so many different ways. Are you a planner, outlining everything and making extensive notes? Or are you a pantser, flying by the seat of your pants and letting the book go wherever it will? I am definitely a pantser. Um, I have tried plotting, and it just doesn't work for me. Um, I've tried writing outlines, and I, I never follow them. So I enjoy uh, just kind of writing and I write to find out where the story is going to go. Usually I have a few um, a few plot points in my head that I think are going to happen, but sometimes my characters take me in different directions. So 
it's still uh, always a little bit of a mystery uh, what's actually going to come out on the page. Although with the book, I'm actually current currently writing the sequel to A Thief of Hope. And I did have to do a little bit of plotting because there's a, there's a war campaign in this book. And I realized that I couldn't just write that by the seat of my pants. I had to have a few, I had to figure out what was going to happen. So that's been a little bit of a new experience for me. That sounds like fun too. And that's, you know, that's how I work is I'm, I'm a pantser, but I think the farther you get along in a series, the more you, you have to give a little more thought to where you're going with it. I agree. Yeah. I think you, you want certain elements to be in there. So you do have to do a little bit of planning. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the next book, the, the next project you're working on? Sure. Um, I'm working on the sequel to Thief of Hope, which is called Thief of Destiny. Um, and it's a continuation of Sydney's story. I don't want to give away uh, too many details, but uh, there is actually in this book, um, in Thief of Hope, it was told solely from Sydney's point of view in Thief of Destiny. At least currently, I'm going to have uh, Sydney's point of view and also Willem's point of view. And he is the would-be king, so he's fighting to gain control of the throne. So it's kind of a dual story in this book, which is making it very interesting. I've enjoyed finding out more about Willem and kind of his personality. And uh, I think there's a lot more challenges in this book for Sydney. Um, the first book kind of takes place in one particular town, and in book two, she's traveling to other parts of the kingdom, so she's experiencing more, there's more problems and challenges, so it's been fun to write. Sounds very it sounds interesting. Like very interesting. <laughs> We've seen a lot of changes in the industry in just the last couple of years. How do you feel about those changes, and how do you feel that they've impacted your work? It's been really interesting. I think, um, you know, the the big change, of course, is the rise of self-publishing and the fact that it's gain, gaining a lot more legitimacy than it used to have. I remember probably not more than a few years ago, everyone said, well, don't ever self-publish. A publisher will never look at you. If you do that, um, and now there are so many, there are quite a few self-published authors who sold millions of books, and it seems like once they reach a cer certain threshold, publishers start to take notice, and then they get offered contracts. Um, so I think that's, you know, in some ways opened up a lot of doors for a lot of authors. Um on the other hand, it also means the market is really flooded because basically anyone can publish a book now. And so it's even more challenging to get your book noticed. Um, I think even with the small publishers, um, you know, as I said earlier, a lot of the promotion in the marketing falls on the author. And I think even if you get a contract with one of the big publishers, unless you're one of the big name people like Stephen King or G.R.R. Martin, you're not going to get a lot of promotional support from the publisher. So it's really 
all on the author. And I know way back, I always said when I want, you know, when I finally get published, I'm going to be one of those recluse authors like J.D. Salinger. You're never going to see me. I'm just going to write these wonderful, you know, books and sell millions and live in the country somewhere. And you just can't do that now. You really have to get out and promote yourself and promote your book. And that's that's definitely challenging for me. I'd much rather spend all my time writing than marketing, but there really has to be a balance, I think. That's so true. The myth number is... And that means it's time for myth nomer, our word for the day. And today's word is thief in honor of Thief Pope. Cindy, do you have any special tips to give for writing a character like Sydney? Because she's our protagonist, but she's an outlaw. She's edgy. But how do you, how did you walk that line and make her so likable and so empathetic while she is an outlaw and, and has that edgy quality to her? I think that the challenge is, um, you know, you have to give your character something that people can relate to. Um, I think with Sydney, you know, she's had a rough life. She's had a troubled background. She's a pickpocket. She's lived on the streets. She's had to be a prostitute to support herself. Um, and she is really suspicious of other people. But I think kind of at her core is this desire to do the right thing. And um, part of her struggle is really, you know, finding the courage to step up and really fight for the things she believes in. And I hope that other people can see that and appreciate that in her and really empathize with her and the things she's gone through um, and just feel for her as a character and want to root for her to succeed. Well, I know I did. <laughs> I loved her. I thought she was awesome. I thought she did a, a great job of, of of that balance between the two. Thank you. She's definitely my favorite character. I like all my characters, but she has a special place in my heart. All righty. Well, let's get down some to some different kind of fun. If you could have a dinner party with any seven people, living, dead, or fictional, who would you include? Oh, this was a challenging one because there are so many possibilities, but I did manage to, I think I've come up with seven people. Um, the first would be John Lennon because I really admire him as a music. I admire his music. I admire him as an activist. Um, I just think he's a fascinating person and I would love to kind of find out what he'd have to say. Um, the next person would be Neil Gaiman, who is one of my favorite authors. Um, I really admire his writing. He seems like a fascinating person also. He just has such a great imagination. Um, the next one would be Allen Ginsberg, who I read a lot of his poetry when I was in college. He's a very famous poet from the 60s, an activist, a very flamboyant person. Um, 
one of my professors told me, told us a story in college that apparently he came, I went to Washington College, and apparently he came to the college and tried to levitate one of the administration buildings. So I think he would just be really interesting person. Um, and then I have the vampire Lestat because I am a big fan of Anne Rice. I'm, I've been a big vampire fan for a long time. And I think he's definitely my, one of my favorite literary vampires. Um, and then I have, uh, Tyrion Lannister from, uh, G.R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. He's got to be one of my favorite characters in the series. He's just got this amazing wit and personality. And if anyone would liven up a dinner party, it would probably be him. Um, and then I have uh, Jamie Fraser from Diana Gabaldon's Outlander series. Um, definitely one of my favorite heroes in the romance genre. Um, Highlander from the 1600s, just everything you could want in a man. Um, and then the last person uh, would be J.R.R. Tolkien because he's definitely the father of fantasy and it would just be amazing to sit down and, you know, ask what makes him tick and how he came up with all of these amazing ideas and languages and, you know, really say thank you for, you know, getting fantasy to where it is today. What a fabulous list. It would be an interesting dinner party. It would definitely be an interesting <laughs> dinner party. There's absolutely. So I many... love some of those choices. Those are absolutely fabulous. Yeah, there's so many different people and so many different personalities. I'm like, wow, who do you talk to first? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully they would all come out alive at the end, too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, don't have them kill each other off. Would be, would probably be a better, better way to go. Cindy, what question do you never get asked that you wish someone would ask you? And what would you answer? Oh, this, this is a hard one because I've done, you know, a lot of interviews online and it seems like just, I've been asked so many different questions. Um, although I did think of one that uh, came up in kind of a practice session. Um, I was talking to some friends about the things people might ask in an interview, and no one has ever asked me this, and it's where do you come up with some of your character names, um, especially the name Sydney, And no one has actually ever asked me that. Cool. And what would you answer? Um, it's kind of funny because uh, I started writing this book when I was in college, which sadly tells you how long it took me to finish the book because college was quite a while ago. Um, I needed a name for my character, and my roommate had a poster of Sid Vicious. And I thought Sydney would be an interesting name for a female character. And Sydney's actually a a more popular name for women now, but so she was named after Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols. Oh, well, that is interesting. <laughs> that is, uh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> really, it is. Okay. Well, everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true. 
their own personal myth behaviors. What myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true? Um, I am a pretty shy person, so I think sometimes, you know, if you get me in a crowd of people, I'm the one who kind of hangs back at the edge of the room. So Mm -hmm. some people might think I'm not interested or maybe a little bit aloof, but that's that's definitely not the case. It's really hard for me to get out there and talk to people I don't know. Um, It's really been a challenge you know, having published the book and again, needing to get out there and market myself. So I've really been kind of pushing myself to do things like this podcast and, you know, do interviews and go to conferences and speak at panels. Um, I think I'm getting a little bit better at that, but it's still a challenge for me. But definitely, you know, if people see me hanging back, it's not that I'm not interested. It's just takes me a little while to kind of warm up and get the courage to put myself out there. That's interesting because you've done a very smooth job today so far. You really have. See, I am getting a little better. You are. So what myth behavior do people believe about you that really is true? Um, I think once people get to know me, they they might think I'm a geek, and that's true. like I said, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Um, I We have a big uh, Renaissance fair here in Maryland, and I love to go to that, and I dress up. Uh, I've been going to that for, oh, I don't know, probably at least 20 years. I play D&D, so I definitely fit into the geek category, and I'm proud of it. Love it. Love it. Cosplay in its finest, in its originality. I love it. (laughs) Yep, yep. Yeah, just Renaissance fairs, though. Well, that's still, that to me, when you dress up and dress the part and really get into it and have a good time at those places, I love going to the Renfest here. And I've just been complacent about dressing up, though, you know, so I need to get more like you because I love that stuff. It's fun. We get the whole family into it. My husband dresses up. Um, my daughter, who's five, really enjoys dressing up a little bit, too. Not quite as intense yet, but we're hoping to get her into that scene also. Cool. Well, she's got time. Yeah. She's got time. <laughs> well, Cindy, thank you for being our guest. We appreciate your information and sharing with us. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun talking to you. You've given us such a lot of good information. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time and overcoming your shyness, which I greatly appreciate you doing. Thanks. Well, remember, everyone, you can go to MythBehaving.com for more information on Cindy Young-Turner and links to her books. You can also read her bio and find links to her social media. And don't forget, you can download this episode on iTunes or you can listen to it right on the MythBehaving.com website. Please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That's how we move up the iTunes ladder. And don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and never miss an episode. Well, thanks for tuning in to MythBehaving. We'll see you again next time. Until then, I'm Carla. And I'm Mare. And we are MythBehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon.